Hey listeners, this is a reminder that the Stephen King Summer Book Club is in full swing over on my private podcast, Secret Stuff. This month, we will be discussing and watching the movie version of Stephen King's first novel, Carrie. I know you think Carrie is horror. This book is not scary. You have to trust me. You want to read it. You want to be part of this discussion. Later in the month, we're reading another very short little Stephen King selection that I am so excited about and can't wait for you to read. It's also not scary. If you want to know more about my passion for the author Stephen King, you can listen to episode 121, Stephen King Starter Kit. If you're ready to jump in and join us for the Stephen King Summer Book Club, come be a part of Secret Stuff. You can find a link to join Secret Stuff in the show description or always at 10thingstotellyou.com slash secret stuff. to tell you. And you have 10 things to tell. This show is about connection with each other and with ourselves. And the hope is that the things we talk about here will be fuel for better conversations and a personal awareness. This is an interactive podcast. Each episode has a prompt and a topic that I want you to take to your journal, text to your best friend, or answer on social media using the hashtag 10 things to tell you. This is a show about digging deeper and sharing our stuff. I'll go first. So every now and again, I like to do behind the scenes type episodes. I do them because I like to listen to other artists, creators, business people do them. So far, I have done an episode last summer about writing a book. That was episode 73 called I Wrote a Book. And then earlier this year, I did an episode about marketing a book. That was episode 111. Today, I'm going to let you in on some similar behind-the-scenes information, answer some of your burning questions, but the topic today is podcasting. And I decided to do this because I get lots and lots of questions in my DMs and email about podcasting. People who have an idea and they want to know how to get started, people who have already started and they want to know how to grow, or sometimes, occasionally, just people who listen to a lot of shows and are curious about like what happens behind the scenes, what it takes, what equipment is used, just like a general curiosity. So I threw it up on Instagram last week, a question box for all of those things that you want to know. I got a ton of great questions and I decided to make it into one behind the scenes episode on the topic of podcasting. Now, this is not to say that I am a podcasting expert. I haven't tried a million different ways to do this because there are a lot of different ways that a person could think about podcasting or produce a podcast. And of course, I haven't done every single way that there is to make a podcast, but I have done 
quite a bit in this medium over the last six-ish years. I was a co-host originally on the Sorta Awesome podcast. That's where I feel like I really learned how to speak into a microphone. I was doing nothing behind the scenes there, nothing technical on Sorta Awesome, but I do think it's where I learned what kind of content resonates and how to have conversations that are interesting for an audience and not just for the people behind the mic. After Sorta Awesome, I created and hosted the show Smartest Person in the Room. That was an interview-driven show. So all of those episodes were interviews. And I learned so much making Smartest Person in the Room about all kinds of things, but mainly producing content, learning to be a better interviewer, figuring out pace and tone and what really felt like me in a finished product of a show. And then, of course, I started this show, 10 Things to Tell You, which has interviews and has conversations, but is primarily a solo show. So it's just me a lot of the time talking into the microphone. This show was also the first time where I learned to edit. So when I started 10 Things to Tell You, I was really doing every single part of the podcast creation behind the scenes, scripting, recording, editing, and marketing. I don't wear all of those hats anymore. I have delegated a little bit of those tasks, but I still feel like over these years, I have learned a ton about podcasting and what works, what doesn't. And of course, as always, I have a lot of opinions. So compiling all the questions that I collected on Instagram, and also just sort of thinking about the information that I want to share to you, I've broken this down into four sections. So in this episode, we are going to talk about the why of podcasting, like what to think about if you have a show idea. The how of podcasting will be section two. That will be a lot of the logistics, like what kind of equipment I use, what software I use to edit, etc. The what of podcasting will be section three. We're going to talk about types of podcasts, what your priorities should be when you're thinking about how to structure your show or structure your time or what you should really focus on. And then lastly, growth growing your podcast, marketing, monetizing, sponsors, social media, all of those things that come after you have created and released a solid episode. I'm going to give some really broad strokes in that section. If you want to hear more of my nitty gritty thoughts on getting sponsors, how to make money, what parts of growth strategies like have and haven't worked for me. I'm going to be sharing more of those details over at Secret Stuff, the private podcast. That will really be for people who are truly already podcasting or they want to podcast and are truly thinking about those things a little more seriously. I didn't want to bog down this general behind the scenes episode with all of that minutia. But okay, let's start first with why. If you're listening to this as a podcast, I probably do not have to convince you why podcasts are awesome. Like why this format has exploded, why I love being a listener just as much as I love creating a show. Podcasts and not not just podcasting, but podcasts in general, I feel like have changed my life in the last few years. I listen to podcasts in the car, when I'm cleaning, when I'm getting ready, when I'm walking, like I feel like audio content in the last few years has become some of the best content out there. There are so many interesting shows, so many entertaining people 
And like blogging was 15 years ago, it's really opened the playing field to all types of content creators. You now don't have to get past a TV studio executive to put a show on the air. You don't have to have a lot of money. Podcasting to start can be very inexpensive. So tons and tons of people who would have had no other access to broadcasting themselves, now suddenly we do, we all do. And so it makes for a really wonderful experience that is one of the you know positive things about the internet in general is that we get to hear from all kinds of voices with all kinds of talent. However, with that said, podcasting in the last few years has become extremely competitive. When I started as a co-host on Sorta Awesome, there weren't a ton of girlfriend chat shows on the air and certainly none that had the flavor that Meg Teets was creating on that show. It was really amazing to be a part of that. Well, as podcasting has grown, and especially with the rise of like celebrity hosted podcasts, people who are starting podcasts that are very famous in some other way, it's gotten pretty competitive to get new listeners for your show. Because when anybody opens their favorite podcast app, there's just so many amazing things to choose from. As a listener myself, this is a wonderful problem to have. But as a content creator, it does create some obstacles. And so we're going to talk a little bit more about this in the marketing and growth section. But I'm mentioning it here at the top when we're talking about why, because if you already have a podcast or you're thinking about starting one, you have to be pretty clear on this why. Your message, your hook, your idea has to stand out in a crowd because getting people to listen to your show is a bigger ask than getting someone to, I don't know, follow you on social media or click through to a blog post or whatever, where that bar is pretty low. I can follow a thousand people on social media. I'm not keeping up with all a thousand of those people that I follow, but like vaguely they're on my radar because I'm following them or I felt like they were interesting enough to click follow for. This is not true in podcasting. Listeners can only listen to a couple of shows a day. For some listeners, it's a couple of shows a week. And so for your show to be what people press play on, it has to be really valuable to them in some way. It has to be wildly entertaining. It has to be providing them with something they're not getting anywhere else, like information-wise or you know about a topic that's not getting talked about much, something like that. So when you're thinking about making your show, you have to think about what is going to make someone press play on yours over someone else's. But also, that doesn't mean that it's only about numbers. It's not always about who gets the most downloads. It's not like a race. (laughs) So when I say think about your why, there are a few reasons that you might want to start a podcast that really doesn't require a huge audience or a ton of downloads or that sort of competitive vibe if you're doing something similar to what someone else is doing. You might want to start a podcast because you have a really specific message or story or some kind of a passion that's really specific, or maybe even that serves as a calling card for whatever it is you're passionate about. So for example, if you were really, really passionate about Oklahoma football, (laughs) It's just the example I'm going to use. We're really passionate about Oklahoma football and you wanted a place to dissect the game every week in the fall or, you know, 
dissect the players and the coaches and the plays and all the things, you might make a show about that. Maybe it only runs during football season. And it's also going to have a limited audience in that you're only going to have people who listen to that who also care about talking through every aspect of that game. But the people who listen might really be into it. They really want to hear your commentary on every single game. So that might not be a million people, but that might be a very mighty committed audience. And it might be serving them and serving you. That's your why. And that type of a podcast isn't dependent on what anyone else is doing. Like, I don't know how many podcasts there are out there about Oklahoma football, but my guess is probably not very many. I mean, not like thousands. So you might still be competing for people's time, whether or not they simply have time to listen to your show, but you're not in an overly saturated field. Pardon the pun. Another example of why you might start a podcast that is also not dependent on download numbers or audience size or anything like that would be if your podcast is like a supplemental thing to something else you're doing. So let's say you're a yoga teacher and you do a podcast with like weekly mantras or affirmations or something like that that goes along with your yoga classes. It's not the yoga class itself. It's this supplemental thing. A podcast is a great way to just get out a lot of information or to have this supplemental thing that really feeds your main thing. So People might listen to your affirmations and really love them and really connect with your voice or your teaching style, and then they're going to go attend your yoga class. So this could really be true if you were a small business, if you have a bookstore and you have a book podcast like Annie B. Jones, if you write books, but you also want to host amazing conversations that are loosely tied to the message of your books, like a lot of people do that. They may not be making their primary living on the podcast. They might be making it writing the books, but the two things sort of feed each other, if that makes sense. So if you're doing a podcast that goes along with an existing other thing that you do, that can be really helpful because you're not putting all of your eggs in one basket. And that is your why. Not that this show is like an infomercial for your other thing, but you know they're tied together. They go together. So those are some examples of why along with the fact that you need to have a really clear why. It isn't to say that you can't make a show just for funsies. You can. And actually, you know, that's what I did with Smartest Person in the Room. I never monetized that show, but I learned a ton doing that project and I would never take it back. It ended up being really important project in my life. And so you can always, always start any kind of a project with that in mind and just set aside like competitive notions or, you know, making money from it or any of those things that it's easy to get, you know, caught up in the rat race about. Your why might just be, this is fun, or I'm learning a lot, or I'm getting to meet new people. And that's a great why. Now, I do have a caveat to that being your main why. And that is that podcasting is a ton of work. And I know that it can look like it's not. It looks like it's just people chatting into a microphone and then airing it on the World Wide Web. And it's all natural and everyone is funny and witty and sounds great. And of course, anybody can do it, right? The very best podcasts that you listen to take so much time and effort. And they are like most artistic mediums. They are absolutely the equivalent of 
you know, a person wears a lot of makeup to look like they don't have any makeup on at all. That is the thing with podcasting. You put a lot of time and effort into sounding like it is effortless because that is easier on the listener. That's why we edit shows. That's why the best podcasts don't air junk. But I have seen a lot of people think, oh, I could podcast. And by the way, they could. I mean, anybody could. That's what's sort of amazing about it. But it's not for everyone. A weekly deadline is sometimes very hard to meet if you have a day job or a busy life. There are hours spent editing and booking guests and recording and scripting and planning the social media and all of that. It really does add up. And so it's just another thing to consider if you are considering podcasting, especially if you're considering it solo. If you don't have someone to ease that work burden for you, it does take up like the equivalent of a part-time job. I spend about 10 hours a week on this show, sometimes more depending on the episode, sometimes less depending on the episode. And also I've been doing this for a long time. So I'm probably faster at some tasks than I was in the beginning, definitely than I was in the beginning when there's a really steep learning curve. And still after years and years of experience and for the most part, not having to juggle anyone else's schedule because I'm primarily solo, it still takes me about 10 hours a week to do this show. And I've had weeks where it was double that. So it's just another thing to think about when you are considering the why of podcasting. There are so many deodorant brands and products out there that it can take a lot of work to keep them all straight. But have you ever wondered if there could be one deodorant product for your whole body? Say hello to Lumi. Lumi is the first of its kind in the full body deodorant world. It was created by an OBGYN who saw firsthand how regular body odor was being misdiagnosed and mistreated. My favorite part about Lumi deodorant is that it's baking soda and paraben-free. It is also pH-balanced for safe use on all areas of your body. And unlike other deodorants that try to mask odor with a fragrance, Lumi is formulated with mandelic acid to stop odor before it starts. It's more of a pre-odorant, if you will. Lumi's starter pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, two free products of your choice like a mini body wash or deodorant wipes, and free shipping. As a special offer for listeners, new customers get $5 off a Lumi starter pack with code TELL at lumideodorant.com. That equates to 40% off your starter pack when you visit Lumi, L-U-M-E, deodorant, D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T, dot com and use code TELL, T-E-L-L. Now, back to the show. Whether you are in a super busy season of life or don't want to make multiple weekly trips to the grocery store or just want to change up your meal routine, there is no better time to try Factor. I'm excited to partner with Factor this year because no one likes not having to cook dinner every night more than I do. Factor is a ready-to-eat meal delivery service that makes eating better every day easy. Each meal is cooked fresh and is never frozen, with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, Keto, and more. Each Factor meal is pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved There are 35 different options to choose from every week, plus an additional 60 add-ons to fill you up in between meals as well. All you have to do is heat your meal in the microwave for two minutes and then enjoy restaurant quality food. Heat and eat, and that's it. These meals come right to your door, and you can also pause or reschedule your delivery anytime. There is no prep, no cooking, and no cleanup. 
what more can I ask for? Head to factormeals.com slash tell50 and use code tell50 to get 50% off. That's code tell50, T-E-L-L, then the numbers five zero at factor, F-A-C-T-O-R, meals, M-E-A-L-S, dot com slash tell50 to get 50% off. Okay, so our next section here is going to be the how. The hows of podcasting. And the greatest thing about the hows of podcasting is that it is a really low entry point. I mean, all things considered, to have the ability to broadcast your show to an unlimited number of people, it's a pretty low cost of entry. So you can do it, of course, like super pro with like the best mics and the best fancy ways to record and like padded studio rooms and you know all of this kind of thing. Those shows usually sound great and that is great. Most of us do not need that type of setup. Anyone can podcast with just a computer and a microphone. You don't even truly need a microphone, but it will sound way better if you use an external microphone versus a computer microphone. And then you will also need a budget for hosting costs, which mine is like $15 a month. So It's not an outlandish amount or anything like that. But let's start with the basics. For many, many years, I recorded just using my laptop and free software called Audacity. Audacity is software that you download on your computer. It's what I'm recording into right now as we speak. It is very user-friendly. If you're on Apple products, it is just like plug and play. You plug in the microphone, it recognizes the microphone, and you literally press record. There are lots of other ways to record your show, other software, GarageBand is another one that's really popular. But for newbies in particular, I think Audacity works great. I've used it for a long time. And, you know, when I'm reading through like podcast forums or in these podcast groups that I'm in, a lot of other people recommend that when you're starting out. And again, bonus, it's free. Now, the microphone that I use is called the Blue Yeti. You have probably seen it in some of the pictures that I post of me like podcasting that I put on social media. It's a very popular microphone. If you saw the look of it, you've probably seen it in other like podcasting photos. It is a little bit overkill, both in size. It's actually really big and hard to travel with and maybe in cost. A Blue Yeti at Best Buy is I think around $120. Now you do not need a $120 mic to start podcasting. I started using a cheap mic that I ordered on Amazon and did that for many episodes of Sorta Awesome, but I always felt like my voice sounded like it had an annoying pitch when I used that cheap microphone. It sounded very tinny, especially with my occasional Oklahoma twang. Now, I wasn't sure this was I was when I was just starting and I wasn't sure if it was the microphone or if like that's what my voice sounded like, but I did go ahead and purchase a more expensive mic, this Blue Yeti, and I felt like I could hear a difference. It was just a more pleasing tone. Now, part of this is also maybe I've just gotten a lot more practice podcasting and working on my tone. Part of it is probably the microphone. But I have purchased several Blue Yeti mics over the years. I've replaced one that went missing. I bought one as a backup. Like I've I've purchased three or four maybe, and I've been happy with all of them. A quick aside is that a few people on Instagram said that they have problems with their Blue Yeti mics buzzing, 
when this has happened to me, it has never been the mic. It has always been the cord. So if the cord is just a little bit loose in its socket, you know, it kind of rattles or buzzes and creates a bad noise. This might not be your issue, but if you are troubleshooting, try replacing the cord because the Blue Yeti is so sensitive. It picks up everything. For some people, it's too sensitive. And I get that actually. I don't want it picking up noises from outside. And sometimes it does because it's a really, really sensitive microphone. I will put a link to a couple of microphone options in the show notes, but this isn't a plug or anything, but I have truly had good luck going to Best Buy. They don't have a huge selection. I don't want like a hundred options to choose from. I need like four options to choose from and talk to their audio staff member or whatever. And they have helped me a few different times with some different questions I've had about audio. So if you have a Best Buy in your area or, or any kind of equivalent, just go and talk to someone. It really does not like make or break you what your mic is. If you don't love the quality like I didn't when I started, then you can like change that up in the future. <laughs> But sometimes I think, and I get the gist from hearing people's questions, that they get really caught up in having the exact right equipment, and that will not make you a better podcaster or not. Like any tool, it is just a tool, but it's not like the thing. So I vastly prefer recording when I have a guest recording in person. Obviously, a year plus of COVID has pretty much prevented that. But from my years all the way going back to smartest person in the room, to now, I learned over and over again that the energy between two people in person is so much better than the energy on a screen. So if it's at all possible for you to do interviews in person, and many times that means for me like lugging my laptop and this big old mic to someone's office or to someone else's home, it's really not that much equipment, thank goodness, for you to have, you know, portable recording. But of course, that's just not going to be possible every time. You're going to have to record remotely, which I used to like seriously hate doing. Again, COVID has kind of made us so used to screens that, you know, it's hard to beat the ease and convenience of recording with someone in your own spaces with no travel time, <laughs> like using an app. So I have done this dozens of times and will continue to do that. But I think I will always prefer in-person recording. When I am recording remotely, I now use Zoom. Yes, Zoom, the meetings app we're all so familiar with. I record using Zoom because I like the video feature. I used to record using Skype, which works very similarly, but I found that Zoom is more reliable. I really like seeing the person I'm recording with, seeing their face. I think visual cues are helpful. I think tone can be misread even over audio. And so seeing one another's face is really helpful to me. And I like that. I am one of the few podcasters I know that still does that. I've been on a lot of podcasts in the last six months promoting Share Your Stuff. And most podcasters do not use the video feature when they record. They are just recording over audio. And I think that's because the connection is better. Wi-Fi is less glitchy when you're only recording over audio. It takes a lot more bandwidth to do the video component. And so most people are not doing that. I still use it. I still like it. I just ditch the recorded video part when I'm done. I literally throw it in the trash. It strips the audio file. And that's what I use to edit. It's just that audio part. But a couple of other popular ones that I've used as a guest on other show is Zencaster, StreamYard. I actually did use video when I recorded with someone using StreamYard. But Zencaster and a few others that are similar, they all work the same. They record two separate tracks, your track, 
your guests track, which is really helpful when you're recording. If you sort of speak over each other, you can separate that out when you're editing. And speaking of editing, I've already said that I use Audacity to edit. Colleen, my current podcast editor, she uses GarageBand. And in fact, this is a fun story. We met because I was on Twitter (laughs) complaining about Audacity And she very kindly replied to me and then followed up with an email about the issue that I was having, an editing issue I was having. And we got into a back and forth about audio editing. And turns out I ended up hiring her to edit for me so that I would no longer have to go complain about editing on Twitter. Now, I actually enjoy podcast editing. I really do. I think it's fun to clip out likes and ums and weird spaces and take out whole chunks of conversation that don't fit the rest of the episode tangents and things like I enjoy that part of making the show, but it just got to be too time intensive for me. It takes me about 90 minutes to edit 30 minutes of audio, give or take. And so if I have an hour recorded conversation or hour recorded solo episode, it will take me three hours or more to edit that. And that's if it's a pretty clean conversation. That's if you don't need to edit out huge tangents, or if your guest doesn't have a lot of verbal tics, or if in a solo show, I don't go on a whole rambly long thing that I have to like cut the whole thing out. A very normal paced, clean edit for me takes about 90 minutes per half hour. So it just was getting to be too many hours in the week that I was editing when I could have been doing something else. So after years of doing it myself, I was able to hire someone to help me with that. And as podcasting has become such a big thing to do, there are podcast editors out there. Here's the thing. Podcast editing is not cheap. It is expensive to hire an editor. And so that's why a lot of us, you know, start out editing ourselves. But if you think you will never be able to edit yourself just from a time perspective, you must factor that in to your budget. But here's the other part about podcast editing that I feel really strongly about that isn't about the money piece. For me, I am really glad that I know how to edit my show because if I get into a time crunch or I need to fix something or add in something or whatever, I can do it myself. If I realize at midnight that I gave the wrong you know, discount code in the advertisement in that episode, I can go fix it myself. I don't need to rely on an outside editor. So even if you think that you are going to hire out that portion of podcast creation, I highly encourage you to make sure you know how to do it, that you take a few months at the beginning and just edit your own show so that you not only know how to do it in case you need to, but also that you understand like what makes for good editing or not. Like if you become pretty solid at editing, you're probably going to be pretty solid at making the show because you're going to be thinking about how am I going to edit this as you are recording it instead of having the mentality of, oh, I'll just say whatever and then the editor will fix everything. (laughs) It just makes everything go more smoothly if you sort of know what every main moving piece does. Other costs that I just want to throw in here to consider, this is still in the how section, but other costs that might come up if you're thinking about this is hosting. So you will need to host your podcast somewhere. And hosting is like 
a similar idea to hosting your website. Like the website is all yours, but maybe you host it on Squarespace or you host it on Wix or WordPress or or one of those, and then you create it. When I am done recording my file, when it is all the way ready, it is the final version, I upload it to my hosting site, which is Libsyn. There are several different ones. I've used Libsyn for all of my shows and have been very happy customer service-wise, price-wise, consistency. It hasn't, knock on wood, ever gone down for me or anything like that. When you host on one of these hosting sites, they then, after you've set up everything, they then push out your podcast feed to all of the places where you want your podcast to show up, mainly Apple iTunes, because that's where so many of us are getting our podcasts. Regardless of what podcast app we are using, I use the podcast app Overcast to listen to shows, it is still pulling its feed from Apple iTunes. Apple iTunes is supplying those podcast feeds out to all of those apps. Your host is supplying the show to Apple Podcasts. If you are going to have a website that's tied to your podcast, where you're going to have show notes or a description of the show or introduction to the hosts or anything like that, any kind of website, that's also going to be a small additional cost. Website, these days are not expensive. You can have a very basic website for a very reasonable cost. I am currently using Squarespace to host my websites, but I've used other sites as well. But I'm currently using Squarespace and have been really happy with them for a few years now. So those are all of the hows that I could think of that you might want to know about. Equipment, editing software, how I do interviews and record interviews, hidden costs that you may not have thought about, website, podcast hosting, possibly an editor. Those are all of the hows. Next, we're going to talk about what type of podcast and then growing your podcast. Okay, let's talk about the what in podcasting. I've already mentioned several different types of podcasts. If you're a regular podcast listener, you already know there are solo shows, interview shows, storytelling shows, like with a narrative. There are girlfriend chat shows or just chat shows in general. There are discussion shows where two or more people are really talking through something. They're processing it and you as the listener get to listen to them do that. There are watch along or read along shows where They're working through a TV series or a book series, and then they're discussing it on the episodes. There are topic-driven shows where there's one topic that they're focused on always. There are shows that have really broad topics, and maybe the focus is on the host themselves versus the topic, meaning maybe they're a comedian or some kind of commentator. And so the draw there is the personality and not necessarily whatever they're talking about. There are just so many types of podcasts and really the world is your oyster here. Like if you come up with something amazing that I didn't even list here, then go for it. I also don't mind if podcasts mix it up like I do on this show. Sometimes it's an interview, sometimes it's solo, sometimes there's a very specific topic, sometimes there's a grab bag of things covered in one episode. I do think if you are just starting that it's harder to go for the really broad, you know, grab bag type of episodes for reasons that we already talked about. I think that consistency from the creator side is better for the listener, that they have at least an idea of what to expect from your show. I think that that just works better. But when you're thinking about the what of your podcast, it's not just 
the type of podcast. It's also what your priority is. So we talked a little bit about this back in the why section, but it really matters what your emphasis is for the audience. So we were talking about it in terms of why. It's talking about why, what your personal why is for starting a podcast. But now I want to talk about what your priority is that you're providing to the listener. So is your priority really amazing guests that your listeners might want to hear from? Is your priority research, like maybe you are going to be doing research on something that your listener wants that information, but they don't have the time or inclination or know-how to get that information themselves. So you're providing them with that information. So you are the researcher, you are the educator, teacher, if you will. So deciding what your priority is for the show, like what your listener is going to walk away from thinking or doing, what they might share from that show, what they're going to think about after they're done listening. That is one thing to think about. While you're making these types of decisions, another thing to think about is how produced you want to be or how structured you want it to be. Now, one of the things that I feel like I see from new podcasters is that it's not produced quite enough. Like It's like, well, let's just get on mic and see what happens. And unless you're already a skilled interviewer or a skilled entertainer, that's really hard to do. It's easier on the listener if there is some producing happening. And that can just be a loose structure. So at the beginning, we're going to do this. In the middle will be this. At the end will be this segment. And there doesn't always have to be three. There can just be two. If you have a shorter podcast, it's just one thing. This is what it is. But there's a structure to it. And when you're thinking about that structure, you may also decide how scripted you want it to be. Now, obviously, in a conversation, it's not scripted. But for example, I almost always script out my intros for this show because I want to make sure I get in all the information that I'm going to tell you at the very beginning of the show. And it will go smoothly, will go more smoothly if I script it instead of just trying to wing it. Winging it should be for like very experienced people. (laughs) I only wing it when I am with friends and I know that we're going to have a natural rapport or chemistry. I sort of generally know how a conversation is going to go down. I might wing that. But for guests, that episode is loosely produced before we ever hit record. I don't send them questions ahead of time because that's not my interview style, but I do send every guest ahead of time, like sort of an outline. These are the three main sections I want to talk about. If I know I'm going to ask them, you know, to come with, I don't know, a favorite book or something, I will say, you know, this is one section so that they can prepare on their end. It is almost never a, oh, let's have a conversation and see what happens situation for these episodes. I want to know what type of episode I'm creating for you, the audience. I want it to be a killer episode. I can't really take a big risk that I'm unprepared in whatever the topic is, and the guest is unprepared. And so we just like blink at each other and sort of make something up. That is not good listening. Now, sometimes things happen that are a surprise And they're amazing. They're like a magical surprise. A conversation takes a really beautiful tangent. Something really lovely comes out of a conversation that was unexpected. Someone gets emotional or someone says something we didn't know they were going to say in a good way. And those are the kind of beautifully unscripted moments that you could never plan for. And of course, you hope they happen sometimes. But for the rest of the time, there needs to be some producing involved. There needs to be some idea of what you want this thing to look like in its finished form what this guest or your own solo soliloquy is going to bring to the listener and why it's worth it for them to press play and 
listen to you for an hour. So deciding how produced you are going to be is something that you have to just like this. It's just total trial and error. I don't even know how to tell you to do that other than I would err on the side of being overproduced and then loosen up the reins as you go, as opposed to just winging it and then figuring out you need some structure along the way. But I do want you to listen next time you're listening to your favorite show, any type of show, if you can tell what parts were produced and which parts were audio magic, which parts were planned for, if you can sense a structure within an episode or lack of structure within an episode, just pay attention, see if you notice it next time. So lastly, we're going to talk about growth. Here's the thing about podcast growth. It is actually really hard to grow podcast numbers harder than anything else that I have done online for reasons we've already talked through, but also for some more logistical reasons in that it's sometimes hard to share a podcast. Like if I read an amazing blog post or article that I want to share, it's so easy. I can share it on social media, you know, 10 different ways and say, wow, go check out this post. This is fantastic. There are share buttons and a lot of websites make it very easy for you to just click that or you can within the social media app, share something that someone else already shared, like they make it really easy. If you are listening to a podcast episode that you super love, it takes a lot of effort to share it. You either have to go find the show notes, so on a completely separate website from wherever you're listening to a podcast in an app or whatever, and pull up a link, but you might not do that because you have to find the right episode. Every single website is different, blah, blah, blah. Now you can also like, screenshot what you're listening to and share it maybe. And a lot of people do that. And I'm so grateful when you share this show and tag me so that I can see it and and reshare it. But do you see what I mean? That it takes like extra effort to share podcasts. It's not as easy as sharing someone you love on social media or sharing a YouTube video or any of those other things that have links. And so because social shares are one of the greatest ways to grow It is frustrating for many podcasters that it is hard to share podcasts and podcast episodes. I also haven't had much luck with buying social media ads because, you know, if you're not able to get organic shares, natural shares, because podcasts make that hard, the next step seems like it would be paid shares, right? Like you would buy ads. I've tried this in a very limited capacity. I will admit I have not tried this in a huge way, but I've tried this a little bit and it doesn't translate to downloads. It might bump up your follower count on social media, which is sometimes nice just to get more eyeballs on your stuff, but I've never seen actual listeners rise from paid social media ads. I think that the most effective way to grow your show is being a guest on other shows if at all possible. Because still, in 2021, a lot of people have no idea how to listen to podcasts. Like they truly don't. They are still baffled by the whole podcast listening thing. Obviously not you, because you are listening to this, but they don't know how to do it. And so even if you were to share an amazing podcast or your podcast gets shared by someone else, a lot of their friends list is still not going to know how to go listen because they don't know how to listen to podcasts. Whereas if you are a guest on another show... The people who are listening to that show, they know how to listen to podcasts, right? So you're not having to convert them to the medium. You are having to convince them to come and give you a try on your show, but it's just a little bit of a lighter lift to convert those listeners to become your listeners as well. But I will say this, it is not instant growth explosion. 
even if you land a spot on a very big show with a big audience, it does not mean that then you will have a huge growth explosion on your show. Same as if you land a guest on your show that has a lot of followers or you know a, a big platform themselves in some way, you might get a bump in listeners for that episode, but they might not stick around. So you can't absolutely depend on that as a growth strategy. It's just too finicky. What you can do, and this is not magic because this can take a really long time, but what you can do is consistently create content that people want more of. When they want more of it, they will share it with their friends, they will subscribe, they will follow you on social, and then maybe share an episode from there. And I know that's not a very sexy answer, but that is one of the few things that has worked for me. And I feel like I've tried a few of the, I don't know, tricks. And the thing that has worked the best is consistency. Now, when we talk about growth, it inevitably comes to sponsors and making money. And I totally get it because I have been on shows that made zero dollars and I've been on shows that have made more than zero dollars. And it is better to be on shows that make more than zero dollars. There are a few ways to get sponsors for your podcast. One is to hustle those sponsors independently, which means, you know, you are your own salesman. (laughs) This works great if you have the bandwidth to do that, if you're good at that, or if you have really specific sponsors that you want. So let's say that your podcast is hyper local. It's a podcast about, you know, Los Angeles, let's say, specifically, then you might specifically want Los Angeles-based businesses to be your sponsors. Like that's one of your values, one of your priorities. And so then you are going to need to hustle those ads yourself, which means reaching out to those businesses that might be interested in trying to get them to buy a spot on your show. To me, that's like a full-time job into itself. And I am not a salesperson by any means. So I joined an ad network. An ad network procures those ads for you, but then of course they take a cut of it. So you are making a little bit less than you would had you booked it directly, but you're not having to do all the legwork. The thing about ad networks is that they generally have a minimum threshold before you are allowed to join. So they are often looking at your 30-day number and they need each episode to have, well, they're all different. This is me talking in generalities. Some ad networks might start at 5,000 downloads per episode per 30 days, or it might be 10,000 downloads. It needs to be crossing the 10,000 download mark every episode does in a 30-day cycle. And then some of the bigger networks are commanding 50,000 downloads in a 30-day cycle and on up. The ad spots that a network books for you are based on your download numbers. So a show that gets 5,000 downloads per episode per month is going to have a certain rate And a show that gets 50,000 downloads per episode per month is going to have a higher rate. Of course, that's how ads work. So if those numbers feel daunting to you, if you have a show and you haven't met those thresholds yet, or you're dreaming of a show and you think it might take you a while to get there, there are other ways that you can make money that's not with these big ad networks. First of all, you can sponsor yourself, if you will. So where there would be natural ad breaks in an episode, you might take that space and promote an ebook, promote a product that you have. You might use an affiliate link there. Like you might use that time and make sure that this is legal within your affiliate program. But like, let's say you really want to talk about 
a product that you genuinely love. And if they use this discount code, they'll get a certain percentage off. But all of those links are tied to your affiliate account. So everyone who does that, you might get a small commission. You can use ad breaks in that way. You can use the ad break to promote another episode, like an older episode, if you will, because you're just trying to beef up your downloads. Like this is a way to quote unquote sponsor yourself while you're working towards getting paid sponsors. Another thing you could do in the same vein is reach out to another show of your similar size. And you'll have to guess here because download numbers are not like, you know, you can't see what other people's download numbers are. But if you have a friend that has a podcast or an acquaintance or just someone you feel like might be up for it, you can see if they'd be interested in doing almost like an ad swap where in your ad break that you've built in, you promote their show and in their ad break, they promote your show. It would be like buying an ad for your podcast, except it would be a trade. And look, I know that not everyone wants to grow their show for financial reasons. Maybe you really, really just want to spread your message or sell your book or your course or serve your audience. You know, we've already talked about the whys and the what's of your show. And maybe you just want to grow because you just want to grow. But it feels like a lot of the questions that I get from people when they're asking about growth is they want to talk about the sponsor part of it and how you can get sponsors, how you can make money. And especially if it's someone who's asking me that question, who's already been podcasting for a while, I know why they're asking that because as I've already stated, you're putting a lot of time into this. You're putting a ton of effort and you might be willing to do that for free for a little bit, but you know, eventually people want to see a return on that time investment. And so I totally get it. And like I said before, I've been on shows that made no money and being on shows that provided a financial reward is better than not. But I never could have gotten to this stage without the years of cutting my teeth, making a show that didn't make any money. It was all a process and I learned a lot and I figured it out as I went. And making these podcasts has been one of the greatest joys of my adult life. I love writing. I always thought I wanted to be a writer. Publishing my book was an absolute dream come true. But when I look back on the last 10 years where I've been a serious online content creator, it's the podcasts that I think have made the most impact, that have changed me the most, and where I have learned the best skill set in terms of communicating, producing, marketing. I did all of those things with both my blog, social media, and my book. But in podcasting, it's different. It feels like just a different impact in some way. And so... I hope that you have enjoyed this behind the scenes glimpse of podcasting and maybe it will make you listen to your favorite podcast this week, like in a different way with a different ear to kind of think about how they're doing it, how you might do it if you were making a show. If you enjoyed this episode or any episode of 10 Things to Tell You, please do share it on social media. As described, shares are the biggest gold. And I always appreciate it when I see you sharing because I know that it is not easy to do so and that it takes a few extra steps. So thank you if you do. Please make sure and tag the show at 10 Things to Tell You. Thanks for listening. Now go share something. I'm Laura Tremaine, and you've just listened to the 10 Things to Tell You podcast. You can find the show notes and subscribe to episode emails at 10thingstotellyou.com slash podcast. And you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at 10thingstotellyou. Remember, 
this is an interactive podcast. I have 10 things to tell you, and you have 10 things to tell. So take this topic to your journal or a friend or post on social media using the hashtag 10 things to tell you. These episodes are meant to bring connection with others and ourselves and spark better conversations. Thanks for listening. Now go share something.